0: Well, 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 well. Here we are.
1: Here we go.
0: Maybe this is our um, our intro that we're going to use every time. Is (laughs) well, well, well. (laughs) Look who it is. Um, Okay. Do you want to intro the episode? You know, or the
1: podcast. Or you know, it's funny you say that. One thing that I was thinking about, and obviously this part I'll cut out. But are we solid on our names? are we saying our names (laughs) are we saying names
0: i mean that's a big question isn't it Mm -hmm. i'm not calling you something that's not your name because that's kind of crazy yeah uh (laughs) am i going to state my full name for the record outright in this moment maybe not (laughs) okay That's where I'm at. Where are you at? I think that that sounds fine. Okay. Yeah. I think inevitably who we are is going to be come clear. (laughs) Also, I feel like we should use this (laughs) audio (laughs) when that time comes. I think
1: that a lot of our audience, if we do a good job of attracting fellow
0: ex-Mormons, I mean... They'll completely understand. I think they'll completely understand, especially people who still have family in the church. They're gonna yeah. be like, "Yeah, that's complicated."
1: Yeah, and it's not like that deep, you know. I don't plan on talking about anything too scathing, but no. I this just is a review of Under want. the
0: Banner of Heaven. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> I just don't want to make my mom cry.
0: Oh man, I know. Honestly, just before doing this, I was thinking about them and like when when are they gonna find out about this? And mom will cry. I know. Like no matter what we say. Maybe there will be a a slight like alleviation to her deep sadness that we are doing it together.
1: Yeah, there you go. Because it's something it's sisterly yeah yeah this is really good
0: radio this is really good radio (laughs) okay um it is customary i feel like on a podcast to be like i'm so-and-so i'm so-and-so so So people put a name with the voice Mm -hmm. can Mm -hmm. we do without that do you think
1: can we just be two sisters talking about mormon pop culture and people just figure it out
0: yeah can you guys just figure it out? <laughs> can you guys just freaking recognize the differences in our voices and go with it? Can you guys get a grip? <laughs> <laughs> can you grow up?
1: <laughs> you know what, though?
0: That is honestly one of my biggest issues in
1: podcasts. Like, if there's two women especially, I can never tell who's talking. <laughs> oh, and no. Um, We're so doomed. I know. And I feel like when you and I start talking together, we start to sound more like each other.
0: Look. So... It's gonna be okay. So basically, our names are superfluous because our voices blend into one.
1: Yeah. If you want to know my name, that's dumb. (laughs) You don't need to. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Come knock on my door and ask.
1: Right, 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 right. But don't, don't please, please don't don't knock on my door.
0: Um, but I love that actually as like a tagline. So like, welcome to Please Bless This podcast, where two sisters talk about. Mormon culture in pop culture and whatever else (laughs) and whatever else comes up. Uh, yeah, today we're going to talk about under the banner of heaven. I think one thing that is interesting about this series that folks outside of Mormon culture might not fully understand is that if you grew up Mormon in the 80s 90s 2000s when this book came out you knew about it yeah like this is a title you know Mm -hmm. you have a visceral relationship with this title like yeah I feel like a chill yes (laughs) (laughs) a chill from head to toe because like we we were aware of this book coming out when it did in 2003 and it was like A thing you were told to stay as far away from as you could, like that you should be kind of very wary of, if not like frightened of. Like it was that aggressively problematic for Mormons. Right. And
1: I can see why. I can see why they feel that way. Yeah. I mean, although I haven't read the book, but going off the show, it seems like Jeb Pyrie is having like a pretty swift faith crisis.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: it goes down pretty abruptly.
0: Here's one thing I don't know. And we should probably figure this out. I don't know if Jeb Pyrie is a character that was created for the series. Oh, or yeah. if he was a character created for the book. Because I know the book is a sort of true crime investigation of mm-hmm. the Lafferty murders. Um, but I don't know if the author, John Krakauer, used, like, a fictional detective character to explore the themes, or if that's a thing that was introduced in the series. I suspect it's the series.
1: Yeah, I guess you're probably right. But
0: even without the Jeb Hyrie character, just, like, the way it is linking these, like, brutal murders in the 1980s to Mormon history and theology and doctrine is pretty dicey if you're like a believing member of the church obviously and that's why
1: i love it
0: (laughs) that's why we love it so yeah under the banner of heaven 2022 hulu series starring andrew garfield a fictional detective who is investigating the real murder of brenda lafferty and her infant child
1: yeah brutal
0: in the 1980s in utah so we wanted to break this down into two main sections. Well, really three. The first is like things about Mormonism that they get so right in this series mm-hmm. that it's crazy. And we kind of try to focus on things that like are particularly um, embedded in Mormon culture. Like you, insiders are going to note them in a different mm-hmm. way than just like a casual non-Mormon viewer of the show. Um, Second section is things they definitely got wrong. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And then the third is looking at a recent response to the series from the Atlantic written by an active Mormon and thinking about some of the arguments he's making and how our podcast basically stands in direct opposition to everything that he's saying (laughs) on some level.
1: Yeah, I feel like not to skip right to that point, but like, man, they hit so much right on the head
0: mm.
1: <laughs> that show As an actor, yes I was just like wow yes
0: yes mm-hmm. like overall the vibe the characters mm-hmm. the casting mm. uh yeah. yeah really spot on
1: yeah they got some real perfect freaky looking blonde <laughs> utah
0: mofos i feel like after the first episode you and i had a conversation about how every man in the lafferty family looks like our cousin jr jr from central utah who pronounces his name jar jar
1: good old jar
0: speaking of casting and the look of the characters let's talk about the first thing that they absolutely nailed which was casting Wyatt Russell as Dan Lafferty. Wyatt Russell is Kurt Russell's son. Kurt Russell, famous, we all know Kurt Russell, right? Like, of course. Uh, what movies is Kurt Russell miracle. in? Miracle, <laughs> miracle! Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's the best one. That is the. Best I was one. thinking of um, like Overboard, that Goldie Hawn movie he was in or um he was in the guardians of the galaxy movies he played like god right (gasps) wow he sure did which again forgot mormons love that they do um so the the to understand how perfect the casting of wyatt russell is you need to know a little bit of history about both mormons and the russell family (laughs) so um (laughs) I think the first sort of like underlying thing to understand is that Mormons look alike. Mm. Like there is a look to Mormons. Like I can be in a public place anywhere, I would say in the world, mm-hmm. and, and, and pick out the Mormons in the crowd.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: Like there are obvious places for that. If you're in Salt Lake, it's everybody. If sure. you're in... Disneyland Mm -hmm. it's probably 30 to 40 percent of the people that you're seeing but honestly I feel like anywhere you can Mm -hmm. spot
1: them yeah there's always a little there's always a little family creeping around yes they're they've got one too many kids yes they're toehead blonde
0: yes you know remember how we saw some Mormons at Near Woods just like when you were visiting a few weeks ago and we knew Even before we saw the BYU hats, we were like, yeah, they're the Mormons.
1: They were the prototype. They looked like their last name was Jorgensen.
0: Jorgensen. Yes. And like, this is a, you know, a funny thing, but it's also just a very real thing because Mormonism is made up of like a relatively small group who left the United States as it stood at the time in the 1800s. And formed this very insular community and married each other what? so at least in america mormons look the same mm-hmm. um there's there are familiar features so with that in mind um kurt russell is not a mormon no <laughs> and as far as i can tell it doesn't come from mormon families on at all but he was cast in the 1966 film Follow Me Boys, mm-hmm. a Disney classic, where he played a young boy named Whitey, mm-hmm. who joins the Boy Scouts. Yeah. And this film is Mormon iconography. Yeah. It is just enmeshed into Mormon culture. hmm and, and one of the reasons for that is because Mormonism and the Boy Scouts are so deeply enmeshed. So um, I actually was like doing a little research about this, and in 2018, when the Mormon church severed ties with the Boy Scouts, because the Boy Scouts were starting to relax their rules about having gay leaders and gay children and also girls admitted into the organization so the mormon church um like severed ties with the boy scouts but at that point in 2018 one in every five boy scouts was a mormon why because the mormon church had had this like very close relationship with the boy scouts for over a hundred years at that Mm -hmm. point so every mormon boy grows up a boy scout every mormon boy grows up with follow me boys as like a thing that they're watching a phrase that they have are familiar with even if they don't know where it comes from mm-hmm. they know this and kurt russell is the face of follow me boys and the face of the boy scouts he
1: is a child a hundred percent so i have only just watched follow me boys for the first time um mm-hmm. uh, last night and i, I don't know I had a lot of thoughts. I think I started actually writing down my thoughts and then things were just flying at me so fast (laughs) that I gave up. Um, Incredible film. I can see why you and our brother loved it so much. Mm -hmm. It was, I don't know. I got like Disneyland vibes from it. And I remember thinking like, if there was like a Mormon Disneyland, this would be it it would be like mm-hmm. this town
0: yeah it's like frontierland americana mm. very white very christian
1: there's uh, there's just an an underlying vibe throughout mm-hmm. it's uh quite the film i gotta say at least 45 minutes too long oh yeah That's <laughs> an, it's an incredibly long movie
0: famously too long i yeah. remember like We loved that movie as kids, me and our brother, and our dad, like, eventually just refused to let us watch it. He just couldn't take it anymore. So, like,
1: I feel like it's very Mormon in how it's, like, corny. Mm -hmm. Like, overarching, very corny. But it's also
0: dark. Oh, yeah. There's a deep darkness. And dark in a Mormon way. Like, Mm -hmm. you had texted me about the dad. So, Whitey's dad is kind of an outsider in the small town they live in and that's why he turns to the boy scouts and to his scout leader for support and his dad is the town drunk basically and if you know anything about mormons you know that they uh they think drinking alcohol is (laughs) kind of the (laughs) ultimate just mark of a terrible person right and um so his dad shows up to a boy scout event visibly drunk is publicly humiliated uh in a way that is like scarring to watch heartbreaking watching this grown man like fumble and bumble and he's got like melted ice cream all over him and he's trying to be sweet but it's so awkward and uncomfortable and like
1: the most well acted character in the whole oh my gosh i
0: mean he breaks your heart (laughs) Mm -hmm. um and then he immediately dies yep like that night dead immediately dies and so like as a mormon kid growing up you're like see drinking Mm -hmm. alcohol is embarrassing Mm -hmm. it will like ruin the lives of everybody who loves you because poor whitey is so mortified by his father and then you will die
1: (laughs) yeah you will die suddenly a-s-a-p
0: anyway that's maybe another podcast episode but um all this is to say kurt russell is the face of that movie kurt russell has by uh, extension of that a mormon face Mm -hmm. and wyatt russell shares his features so you look at him and you're like wait who why do i know him and as a mormon you're like why do i know him is he like someone i know in the church or is he someone I know from Hollywood? Like I know is the he like lines one of those get blurred.
1: Right? Is he one of those Mormon actors who does like BYU movies, yes. you know, which yes. that would have been incredible. Can been I incredible. have a quick aside, please? Cuz I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um on my quest to find Follow Me Boys cuz I did not want to spend $3.99 renting it. Yes. Um I I was on the YouTube And I was just looking up Follow Me Boys, obviously, and I found this band called the Boy Scouts of America. Okay. And they are like um, a group of middle-aged dudes who wear like full Boy Scouts regalia, and they play like jammy, like studio. Oh my goodness groovy rock and roll in like a garage studio type setting. Okay. And it's like very very jammy and good. Like there's no <laughs> vocalist, it's
0: just like them. Like, I did not know where you were going out. with that, but I did not expect you to say and it's good.
1: <laughs> I actually ended up listening to it for like several hours yesterday. Oh my gosh. Um But yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there. Definitely check it out. The Boy Scouts of America band. Um, (laughs) uh, Their tagline is vintage music and camping tips because they also put out like camping tip videos. Wow. Um, But yeah, a bunch of middle-aged dudes dressed like Boy Scouts. Their garage is all, or I think it's a garage. It's like all decorated with like Boy Scout stuff and like old Americana. And they're rocking the F out.
0: (laughs) Wow. What a treasure. uh,
1: yeah, thanks all boys. Yeah, that was a fine.
0: Thanks, Kurt Russell. <laughs> so yeah, that in a nutshell is the, our first point. Wyatt Russell is a Mormon, whether mm-hmm. he knows it or not. Perfect yep. casting. Yep. A plus.
1: Yeah, and next, I think um, we would be remiss if we didn't go into Andrew Garfield's casting mm. and also just how smoking hot he is <laughs> on the <this> show. <laughs> truth um in the show notes you'd written uh, or you described him as like boyishly hot mm-hmm. um but th- i've decided that that's not my read that's not okay my take. okay um please tell me so f- let's start with the facts andrew garfield is a very handsome man yes now has, has he ever done anything for me in the past no <laughs> but in under the banner of heaven <laughs> He's an undeniably, he's a nice looking man. He's clearly in really good shape, Mm -hmm. but it's only emphasized by the modesty,
0: you Mm -hmm. know,
1: that modesty. modesty. Um, There it is. The perfect
0: uh, way to describe what's happening. (laughs) Modest I
1: don't want to, I don't want to objectify anyone, but if you are going to like be that handsome, clearly have that kind of, Body situation going on, mm-hmm. and you're gonna waltz around in your little garments, and your like white button-up shirt and and your suit coat and the whole thing. I am using X-ray vision, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that that's that's what it is. He's got like the full Mormon uniform, mm-hmm. you know, for like ninety percent of the show. He's in full uniform. Yes. So we and there's something very off?
0: yes, there's something very distinctive too about um a Mormon man in a suit versus right. just like a run-of-the-mill guy in a suit. For one thing, Mormon men own a lot of suits mm-hmm. in a way that I don't think like the average man does. Mm-mm. Like most men I know outside of the church don't have a a closet full of suits. No, no like a mormon man does
1: no you have one suit generally maybe
0: two. yes also especially in like the 80s and 90s and early 2000s mormon men's suits did not fit i feel like there's been a trend towards like a tighter fit suit just in general and mormons Mm -hmm. have gone along with that Mm -hmm. (laughs) but (laughs) <laughs> not not when we were kids. No, no. The suits were baggy. They were ill-fitting. They made you look like a little boy wearing mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And they nailed that fit.
1: Yeah, it's true. His suits did not fit.
0: His suits That's did not correct.
1: fit. That's correct. I also wanted to make a point of saying that I think he just really wore the, like, faith crisis mm. extraordinarily well.
0: hmm
1: Like whenever he would learn a new disappointing tidbit about the church (laughs) just the like the look of sadness yeah that would befall him it was brutal and i as a woman you love to see it
0: Mm. you Mm. know yeah you love to see a man in his feels yeah Oh,
1: oh 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 also a cab but bulletproof (laughs) vest
0: oh my gosh (laughs) did the bulletproof vest really work for you
1: (laughs) <laughs> I, yeah I'm a uniform person let's yeah put it that way I'm so sorry <laughs>
0: <laughs> so all this is to say great casting yes well Nailed done it. Mm-hmm. I also will say about Andrew Garfield in every like little soundbite I've heard where he's talking about the themes of the show the growth of his character on the show I'm like he gets it he, he gets, really gets what it. this show is about yeah and What it's, like, representing about this culture. Like, I just feel like he really gets it. So the other thing we wanted to talk about, another thing that the show really nailed, and this is so niche, was a scene in the first episode where Jeb, Andrew Garfield's character, and Detective Taba, who he works with throughout the series, are sitting in like the police station and detective Taba full- pulls pulls out McDonald's he's he's got some McDonald's for dinner and um there's this exchange that indicates that Jeb Pyre does not eat McDonald's mm-hmm. and um Taba like kind of um teases him with it a little bit and, like, I feel like Andrew Garfield has like a sandwich in like a Ziploc bag or something, mm-hmm. like brought from home. I don't know. It's a weird dynamic. And eventually, Jeb gives in and eats some of the fries and is like, oh, like you just, you can just tell he feels like he's being naughty. Yeah. And well, when I'm
1: hiding behind the desk, yeah, he he's hiding behind the desk. Yeah. He's
0: hiding it from the other people in the police station who are ostensibly also Mormons. Mm -hmm. so when I saw that scene I was like what is this this is so weird yeah and multiple people I talked to including you after that episode we were all sort of like puzzled by that it just stood out and friends of mine who are not Mormon and have no Mormon background asked me about it they were like do Mormons not eat McDonald's and I was like uh they (laughs) definitely eat McDonald's yeah But then you and I got to talking about it because we were like, what is that about? Where did that even come from? Mm -hmm. And we started remembering how when our grandparents got a McDonald's in their small town in Utah, our grandma refused to go. Her, Her whole life, as far as I know, refused to go. Oh, yeah. I'm sure she never ate it. I'm sure she never ate there. And like we like our parents and us kids would go secretly <laughs> yeah. and our parents would be like don't tell grandma that we're going to mcdonald's i don't know exactly what that was about but it was real
1: yeah so maybe maybe the french fries on the show had more to do with just like the judgmental culture yeah you know aside from the mormonism because mm-hmm. you know it's very layered and very sure. judgmental. He eats the lunch that his wife packs for
0: him. Yes, and, that's like the yeah. thrifty thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but, and his wife is a good cook, mm-hmm. so he eats what she makes him. Yeah, you know? and I do think for Grandma, that's what it was about too. Like I remember one time, I was feeling a little bold, a little rebellious, and I asked her, Grandma, would you want to go to McDonald's and get a hamburger? And I remember um, she was like aghast at the suggestion and she said, she got, she was like mad at me. And she said, if we can't grow it in our garden, we won't eat it. And that was the end of the conversation. And like, uh, we ate plenty of things she hadn't grown in that garden. She was putting hot dogs on everything, you know. Yeah, the amount of
1: drumstick ice cream cones yes we ate in that house
0: honeycomb cereal yeah (laughs) but like um there was something about mcdonald's fast food burgers and fries that Mm -hmm. represented this shift in values for her Mm -hmm. that she really resisted and so like even though initially i thought that was like a misrepresentation of mormon culture Mm -hmm. i actually think it was kind of brilliant
1: it's just like another perfect little tidbit of how mormon culture really is you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: i feel like um Taba and jeb generally portrayed like potentially a very real relationship and like a rare very real potential dynamic between a mormon and like a never mormon mm-hmm. sort of anti-person because mm-hmm. that's obviously a really delicate thing and it's a thing that most mormons like don't allow You know, you keep a pretty wide berth between people who very clearly do not share your same values. But I feel like Taba being like Paiute and being like native local to Utah, like that's a perspective that you like have to hear, you know? Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's one of the few that uh, like a true blue Mormon would actually listen to. And I thought it was really cool how Like, especially at the end in the final scene, how they, he relates to Jeb, you know, he like sings that Paiute song and uh, it's Mm -hmm. about that Paiute legend. And he says uh, something like uh, he just does it because um, like it's home for him Mm -hmm. and everyone needs a home. He doesn't actually believe in the mysticism of it all.
0: I think. I really loved that that conversation with him and Taba, where Taba talks about like even if I don't believe in this it's part of like my culture my tradition mm-hmm. my home and yeah. there's value in that alone mm-hmm. I feel like that's like part of the sort of premise of us even doing this podcast is totally. like um we're not trying to just like make fun of women culture we're trying to like just see it and think about it and understand it and in some ways appreciate it Mm -hmm. and in other ways dissect it and even dismantle it (laughs) yeah
1: just because we've left the church doesn't mean it's just like magically not our culture and our background anymore yeah you know and i feel like uh talking about it in this way is similar to how a lot of mormons who are still in the church joke and poke and like make fun at the church like Mm -hmm. you know i feel like mormons are kind of known for being that way like Mm -hmm. being okay with making fun of the church to a certain extent Mm -hmm. you know and obviously i'm willing to go much further than that
0: yeah at this point (laughs) but But i think you raise a really good point about taba being an indigenous character he's also fictional by the way yeah um yeah so um I do think you're right that that gets at something very Mormon. Uh, I think Mormons see themselves having like a really symbiotic relationship with the indigenous people of Utah. And I think if you spoke to actual descendants of those tribes that you would get a different perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that um, that Taba really represents that well in the show. And there's a lot that is, it's just like so much to unpack in that relationship. Um. Okay. I wanted to talk about that last scene you mentioned with Jeb and his mom, oh, because yeah. I thought it was another thing that the series just completely nailed. For me, it was one of the best representations I've seen or read or listened to of what it's like to leave Mormonism mm-hmm. and make peace with that leaving yeah. and i think the show implies that jeb doesn't leave he continues to participate but he doesn't believe anymore yeah um but still you know that that's a, a certain kind of leaving so the scene you were talking about is he and his mom it's the very last scene of the series they're like looking at this beautiful vista like trees and a lake and she says, and I wrote it down because I wanted to get it right. Mm. She says, it's just a gift from our heavenly father. It's a miracle. And he says, um, looking kind of sad and wistful and thoughtful. And he says, or just to be here with you, mom, I think that might be miracle enough for me. And then he says, is that okay? And she's like, yes, yes, that's okay.
1: Yeah.
0: And I don't think it's meant to imply that she understands the full (laughs) meaning of what he's saying in that moment. But I was really moved by that because like, that to me is exactly what leaving Mormonism has felt like is like, but when you're in Mormonism, everything is a sign from God, a prompting from the Holy Ghost. Like you were constantly doing all this work to like connect the dots of your life. And and create this picture of what god was doing and it was exhausting yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) and often troubling and confusing and Mm -hmm. um often required you to do some mental gymnastics to get around to like making sense of how god could be behind every single thing and so him just saying like Just being here in this moment with somebody that I love in a beautiful place, like that is meaningful and good and powerful and that's enough. Like I don't have to look, it doesn't have to mean anything more than that. And the is that okay, Ooh, just really hit me. Can that just be okay?
1: And the answer is... yes (laughs) well for me yeah
0: yes for you
1: yes
0: (laughs) yes yes it can be okay and in fact it can be like better to some extent I I feel like it's better oh it's a hundred percent it's been so much better Mm -hmm. because instead of like wasting all this time and mental energy on like concocting a story (laughs) for my life I'm just living it I'm just in it and I'm Mm -hmm. trying to appreciate it as it happens Rather than, like, anticipating some eternal future and, like, pinning all my hopes on that.
1: Right. It's just about today.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. Isn't that enough? Yeah. isn't that miracle enough?
1: Right. It reminds me of what our parents said to me when I told them that I was leaving the church. And Mm -hmm. what I've learned is actually a pretty common response. It was, um, well, what will you do? Mm -hmm. what will you do? And I remember being like, I don't know what you mean. I'm going to do what I've been doing and it's going to be great.
0: I'm going to be me and live my life.
1: But that's why I said no. When, uh, I posed the question, is that okay? Because to someone who's in, it couldn't possibly be okay. Right. Right. That's not okay. It's going to be terrible.
0: Yeah. No, I, I get what you're saying. Like I was thinking about that And also the scene where Taba is teaching Jeb to recognize his intuition. Mm -hmm. He, like, punches him in the gut and is like, what do you feel there? Because Mm -hmm. Jeb is, like, looking for the promptings of the Holy Ghost to guide him. And Taba's like, Mm -hmm. it's in you. Yeah. And again, to me, that's, like, a really powerful representation of what it's been like to leave the church in a Mm -hmm. really positive way. But I can see how, (laughs) if you're in the church that seems incredibly prideful, like the height of hubris to think you inside of yourself have the answers and the intuition to guide you. Right. That you don't need this like external force leading you. Mm-hmm. Like to me, that's so freeing and beautiful and great. But when I was in the church, I would have thought that was a problem.
1: It, it was a problem. I remember feeling like desperate to find ways to make the connection and to make it about something bigger than me Mm -hmm. even when it didn't come naturally which it often didn't and uh that's like frightening and difficult and stressful yeah now I'm just hanging out
0: yes no I um, am I had a bishop who I actually really liked he was a really good person who said something similar to what mom and dad said to you um He was just like, if you leave the church, what will it be for? Mm -hmm. There's an, you, I promise you won't find something else. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if he meant like another religion or another set of beliefs or another way of viewing the world or what. Mm -hmm. But it, yeah, I'm with you. Like it wasn't about leaving for something else or leaving because I was looking for something else. It was about leaving because I accept the life that i have and want to live it to right to the best of my ability right now yeah you chose this life yeah i left it for me Mm -hmm. (laughs) like that was the like for what
1: yeah for me because it'll be better for me yeah and it has been (laughs) and it
0: has been yeah um okay so in all fairness let's talk about what the series gets kind of off
1: yes um let's talk about it um jeb piree takes the lord's name in vain a lot Mm
0: -hmm.
1: no mormon would say thank heavenly father
0: no never
1: just like they wouldn't say thank god
0: yeah they wouldn't say like in the name of heavenly father do blah 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 no never and doesn't he say like what does he say when he's about to have sex with his wife he says in the name of jesus christ which is how mormons end their prayers right they pray in the name of Jesus Christ and then mm-hmm. say amen. So he's like invoking that language. You would never. Mm. Not in a million years. I, his I think wife,
1: my jaw hit the floor Yeah, when he said that.
0: His like innocent wife who was so alarmed that he was like even questioning anything would not have been okay with that language no, being used no, no, in no, that no, context. No, 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 no way. No. Absolutely no. not. I actually, when I was on my Mormon mission um the mission president so he's like the main he's an older man who's like in charge of all the missionaries within a geographic region um one of his big initiatives was that when we prayed we needed to slow down and enunciate the line in the name of Jesus Christ amen he said like this is the most important line in prayer um people say it too fast they and we need to really clearly like say the name of Jesus Christ in that moment and so like if you had to pray in a meeting he was in and you said it too fast he would make you say it. he would make you pray again get out he would make you like do it over and over until he liked the way you enunciated that phrase and I thought about him immediately when I saw that scene and I was like (laughs) he would not Stand for this. No, no, Though no, 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 Andrew Garfield did enunciate it very clearly. He
1: sure did. <laughs> yeah, and it, it it maybe made my heart skip a beat a little bit. Yes, heart skip a oh, beat, yeah. jaw hit the floor.
0: Yeah, I mean it was like full like taboo Mormon kink, which is really fun. <laughs> yeah. It's
1: unrealistic, but it's real fun.
0: Yeah, I maybe mean... the more we talk about it, the more I'm like, maybe it is actually a brilliant <laughs> move. Maybe they got it just right. Maybe they should have done more of that. <laughs> yeah. But no, you're right about the use of Heavenly Father. There's just, it's just way off. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. The excessive use of Heavenly Father.
0: hmm Like, it's
1: unrealistic. Wouldn't happen. Like, Mormons refer to God as Heavenly Father a lot, frequently, but, like, I feel like as we've already done in this podcast, like, you refer to him as God also.
0: Yeah. Yes. You know. Um, The other thing you had called out was um, calling each other, everybody calling each other brother, Mm -hmm. but not with the last name, just brother.
1: Right. Yeah. Just a little bit wrong.
0: Just a little bit wrong. And that's why it stands out because it's close, but not quite right. So like Mormons definitely call each other brother and sister. Like Mm -hmm. I was thinking about it before this and I was like, when we were growing up, the adults we knew at church, I didn't Mm -hmm. know their first name they were brother so-and-so and and sister so-and-so and And if we had called them something else it would have been weird I actually have a
1: memory of calling someone I don't know if it was like a primary teacher or a young women's leader I remember calling them by their first name in front of mom or dad or both and I remember them being like Katie and like being like you can't call them that Mm -hmm. and I remember being like why you know, because I just reached the point where I—I must have been a little bit older, and like I'd spent a lot of personal time, yeah, like, with this you person, knew them. yeah. And I'm like outside of church, like I—I ref- I, it may have even been somebody who was like our neighbor who I babysat for, kind of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Like I was,
1: we had like a very real relationship outside of the church, and uh yeah, but I sure learned my lesson that day
0: okay yeah it was it's definitely like an adult mormon thing you called the adults brother and sister and so when you go on a mormon mission that's when you kind of transition from being like whatever your name is your first name is to being brother or sister or actually it's elder for the missionaries elder or sister so when i was a missionary um there were people who i knew really well for months who didn't know my first name and we would like joke about it and they'd be like will you tell us on the last day we know you before you move away please and it was like this thing you'd kind of tease them with like maybe but you like never Hmm. even told people your first name
1: that's so wild it was so I like bizarre. to think of that though because your name is kind of hard for people to pronounce yeah, sometimes so I, I like know. to I like to imagine you on the last day coming out with them and they're like wait say it again yeah honestly it? it was
0: kind of nice to have like an 18 month reprieve from having yeah. people say my name wrong no mispronunciations <laughs> yeah
1: I was yeah. off the hook
0: but um yeah just calling someone brother just calling someone sister. Yeah. Is and weird.
1: I was just thinking, um, when you're an adult in the church, like I feel like mom and dad always refer to their peers in the church by their first name, like depending on how close they are. Like people mm-hmm. who they are like like people who are have been in Relief Society presidency with mom.
0: Yeah. Like, I feel but like it she kind often... of depends. Yeah. Mom does because they're women and women have less standing in the church. Yeah. Like the men, though, I mean, dad still calls Bishop Lebo Bishop Lebo. Yeah. And they have been friends for 20 years.
1: And they... Bishop Lebo hasn't been a bishop in 20 years. Yeah.
0: They like would go golfing together and. Right they interact outside of a church context but like I don't
1: think I don't think I know that person's real first name that's
0: crazy I would have to think really hard (laughs) about that honestly yeah
1: I Um, mean yeah you
0: add a bishop on top of it talk about loss of identity I know and that's and I remember dad really driving that home with us as kids that like if someone's ever been a bishop you call them a bishop forever yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) i do think one thing they did get right though about the brother sister thing was how jeb's character would change how he introduced himself depending on who they were talking to like he'd be like this is detective taba i'm brother pyrie as a way to like establish himself as like an insider yeah yeah that's real that felt very sure
1: man what a show
0: what a show man I'm pounding on the table I don't know if you can hear it
1: (laughs) I'm all whipped up
0: I'm all whipped up it was so good I enjoyed it so much and not a not flawless but like a lot of the critiques I've seen of it are about it being like a misrepresentation of Mormon theology and culture and history yeah and yeah it's not perfect, but they got some stuff really right. They really and also, did. calm down. It's a TV show. And,
1: like, maybe, like, just don't talk about it. Because if people really start digging into church history, mm. that's when yeah. you get into trouble.
0: That's when you get into trouble. <laughs> yeah. So, one such critique is this article under the banner of Hulu, published in The Atlantic just last week, June 15th. Yeah. Um, by McKay Coppins, who's a staff writer for the Atlantic and a practicing Mormon. And he's like very open about that in his articles. He's written about Mitt Romney and about just Mormonism as a religion a number of times for the Atlantic and disclosed his Mormon status. I mean, his name is McKay. McKay yes. yes. So. Yeah. Mormons know when they've met a Mormon. And yeah. if your name is McKay, yeah, obviously. Yes. So um he makes a couple of arguments in this article. It's it's a critique of the series Under the Banner of Heaven. He watched it um and just found it really problematic mm-hmm. to Mormonism. And uh I just wanted us to like talk through a couple of the claims he makes. Yes. So one of the first things he says. So um, <clears throat> well, one of the claims he makes is that um he t- he tells a story about someone he knows saying to him, Mormons have no cultural cachet. Mm. And, like, the whole, like, premise of this article is that Mormons are persecuted mm. and unfairly persecuted in the media and in pop culture and that um, we're, like, the last religion left that people feel like they can just drag without yeah. consequence. Um And, I mean, that's an absurd premise. It makes (laughs) me so mad. It's honestly, like, embarrassing. Yeah. Like, when I read this article the first time, I was, I just felt, like, aggressive secondhand embarrassment for McKay Coppins. Oh, yeah. I was like, ooh, somebody cannot see past the end of their own nose. Like, right. This is a lot. And yeah, maybe a friend said that to you, the cultural cachet thing, but like you loved that they said that to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because now you get to be a victim of your lack of cultural cachet. Right. When Mormons have so much cultural cachet.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Absurd amounts of cultural cachet. (laughs) Mormons are predominantly white and wealthy and conservative Mm -hmm. and... Uh, Mitt Romney was almost the freaking president of the United States.
1: I feel like Mormons are widely known as being like the nicest guy you've ever met. Yep. Which makes me so mad. Honestly. I, know. <laughs> I hate it when I'm talking to people and my ex-Mormonism comes up and we're talking about Mormons and I'll say something like, oh yeah like maybe I'll say I was in a cult or something mm. and people <laughs> will be like horrified that I say that. Like completely like never Mormon people will be like mm-hmm. horrified by that. Like as if I'm being out of line, and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, you, yeah, you just don't know. The general perception of Mormons is the nicest guy you know. It's just like, maybe, maybe do most people they aren't Christians. Like that mm-hmm. is, you know. But ooh, you know, wow. Right. I mean, m- move aside, Muslims, <laughs> move aside Jews. Yeah, it's it's the Mormons. It's really the Mormons
0: who are being persecuted. absurd absolutely absurd and like he uses the um existence of things like the book of mormon musical and under the banner of heaven as evidence that mormons don't have cultural cachet and i would submit that these (laughs) artifacts are in fact evidence that mormons do yes that these shows and plays are exist that they have an audience Mm -hmm. that they are like award winning Uh People are interested in Mormons and Mormon stories. I'm sorry they're not the stories you want told right. about Mormonism, but people but they are, interested.
1: are mostly rooted in truth. Yes. I'm sorry that the truth makes you look ridiculous.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's a problem to grapple with, sir. But right. <laughs> um, I, I will say too, like I was at um, BYU in 2008 when, uh, Proposition 8 was on the ballot in California.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And in B- in Utah, at BYU, we were being, like, rallied to work phone banks and call voters in California to vote in favor of Prop 8 and to, like, outlaw gay marriage. Mm-hmm. And we were fed all of this information about, like, the power of Mormons to... um. Like enact change like the force of mormons basically Mm -hmm. and you know like they would cite all these like politicians who talked about like oh if if something's on the ballot in a place where there's like a high population of mormons we know we can count on them like it was all about mormons Mm. like cultural cachet yeah and proposition 8 did pass and a lot of that was like due to that push by the church
1: yeah for sure um
0: i will say on the record i never ever lobbied for proposition eight no 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 never um but i'm just saying like you can't claim that level of like political power and claim to be victims of a lack of cultural cachet
1: yeah.
0: Amen. You just can't be both. In
1: the name of Jesus Christ.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well said. Well enunciated. Thank, Thank you. For you. That. Thank you. So um, one thing that I really liked, there was a tweet that I saw the day this article came out that was like very clearly sub tweeting McKay Coppin's article. It's by Benjamin E. park who's a mormon historian apparently and he said the only thing that will survive a nuclear bomb are cockroaches and the mormon persecution complex (laughs) which i thought was beautifully stated truly and i was trying to think of like other evidence of the mormon persecution complex this like obsession with like as mormons we are like the most persecuted minority religious group Mm-hmm. Which is basically what McKay Cobbins is saying right. in his article. And the thing I came up with that is like um ironclad evidence that Mormons are obsessed with their own persecution is pioneer tracks. Oh my God. <laughs> pioneer tracks. How dare you say those words. Um, for those who don't know, <laughs> a Mormon children. Mormon teens
1: mm-hmm.
0: in the summers on a regular basis mm-hmm. go on what are called pioneer treks where they wear like pioneer era clothing and push like hand carts mm-hmm. or pull hand carts, I guess. and uh, I guess you pull rather than push a hand you cart. You do. Mm-hmm. And um, they like go on these mountainous hikes right. and eat food around a campfire and you and don't then, bathe and you don't bathe and then there will be times where it's like so and so in your group has died yes. and and the leader's like take them away and you mourn them and also you have to carry the cart without them and it's heavier right i mean like it is wild
1: right. that these exist and there will be like trek families so you're part mm-hmm. of a trek family and so like in my trek experience my family mother died Mm -hmm. and their and and her real life husband was her husband on track which is customary and they had actually had a real a real life scare um health scare oh my gosh in the recent years where she almost died and so her crazy husband who was also my sunday school teacher who was crazy fully (laughs) crazy took it and ran with it and really put on quite a show yeah years like he Whoa. was real distraught <laughs> and it was powerful and but you know what's funny is I think I at some point like was like I'm done with this mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I think I hung back with the dead people <laughs> <laughs> cuz i think that they maybe were on like a big cart or like a, in a car or like in a pickup like maybe there was a pickup truck that picked up okay. dead people at some point i don't know but i remember hanging out with the dead people and it was oh my
0: goodness yeah that's my trek story that's wild i um i never went on trek i refused it Good was um probably one of the best decisions i've ever made in my life <laughs> yeah. i was like 16 or 17 And I was just like, I am absolutely not doing that. Mm -mm. And luckily our dad is like, he is grouchy enough that even though he like fully is all in, in the church, he's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, let's skip this and that. Yeah. So he was very supportive of me not going, I think mom worried that it was like a sign of my impending apostasy. Yeah, for sure. Dad was all for it. So I got to skip and thank goodness
1: Yeah. Thanks, Dad.
0: Thanks, Dad. Yeah. But yeah, Mormons love to suffer Mm -hmm. and like create opportunities for suffering and then talk about how much they're persecuted.
1: Right. Love to make their children suffer in order Mm -hmm. to send a message. Yeah. Love to like turn anything that happens into persecution, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: like, or just make so much bigger any Mm -hmm. level of persecution that does actually happen because sure. So like we didn't grow up in Utah and we were, I mean, growing up, I definitely was bullied for being Mormon. Oh yeah. A
0: hundred percent.
1: but All the time by teachers, even (laughs) by, by grown adults. I remember being like in a car with me and my friend and their dad and their dad's like, how many wives does your dad have?
0: I was bullied by children, teachers, my friend's parents, Right. um like my boss at work
1: <laughs> right yeah but at the end of the day we were quote unquote nice Yeah. well-mannered mormons yeah you know we also you know we got made fun of but we also had teachers who were like are you mormon i can just tell and we yeah
0: such a good honest kid mm-hmm. right yep yeah great right. Yeah. And the the people who were coming at us and with anything that could be called persecution, it was because Mormons are weird and yeah. they knew about the weird stuff we believe and do. And they were like, that's weird. Yeah. And as a kid, having an adult say that to you about your belief system, that's scary and I- yes. inappropriate, honestly. Totally. And, um, you know, anxiety inducing, but they weren't wrong. No. <laughs> okay. Last point in this article that I want us to address. Okay. I don't think he outright says this, but he heavily implies that only practicing Mormons can tell accurate Mormon stories. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm <laughs> going to read from the article. Okay. Um, what stood out to me, this is McKay Coppins, uh, as I watched the finale was not its aggressively negative portrayal of Mormonism. It was the fact that no one involved in the show felt compelled to check the customary boxes Hollywood creators have been trained to check in this era of inclusiveness and representation. Dustin Lance Black, the creator of the show, who grew up Mormon, by the way, um, So he says, Black did not hire any practicing Mormons to write or consult on the show. Executives at FX did not put out a statement affirming that Mormons are a peaceful people. When Brenda Lafferty's sister suggested in an interview that the show's creators had exploited her story, there was no flood of outrage on social media or rush by the network to control the damage. Mm -hmm. A lot to unpack there. First of all, I, uh, you know, this is open to interpretation, but I felt like the sentence about... No one in Hollywood thought to check these boxes for inclusiveness felt a little snarky. Totally. um, So do you even really think that inclusiveness matters? Like, I can't actually totally tell, Mm -mm. but you clearly think it matters for your group. Yes. Uh, So, okay, got that and then the arguments that um this wasn't like an inclusive and fair portrayal are that there weren't any practicing mormons um from what i understand there were multiple mormons on the writing team including the mm-hmm. creator um but none of them are currently practicing okay and then this line executives at fx did not put out a statement affirming that mormons are a peaceful people <laughs> i like laughed out loud when i read yeah that. that's really funny Partly because Mormons are not necessarily no sure, by sure, your average Mormon is probably relatively peaceful, but I just think there are a lot of examples in recent history of Mormons being violent. Like I think about Ammon Bundy, that guy who huh. like, had some siege, government siege or something wait it
1: was Ammon Bundy Mormon um his name is Ammon hold Bundy. on hold on hold on I am just putting together <laughs> that Ammon Bundy
0: was Mormon 100% Katie that's I'm sorry crazy. I said your name my bad <laughs> <laughs> Ammon Bundy is for sure a Mormon or um like a multiple of the protesters protesters that's a generous word for them uh-huh. on January 6th who sieged the capitol yeah, mormons yeah. including one of my ex-boyfriend's brothers oh yeah <laughs> yes or more recently that u-haul of, <gasps> yes. of um
1: patriot front
0: patriot Front. yeah in oregon or idaho, idaho. rather there's evidence that m- several of those men are are mormons
1: yeah like a
0: third so i'm sorry that fx didn't feel the need to clarify that Mormons are peaceful people when right. there are and that's just recent right and relatively small scale examples like Mormons have been pretty violent throughout history so anyway I thought that line was interesting and then yes the Brent, Brenda Lafferty sister did do an interview about yeah. um the show explaining her sister's death which is an argument against all true crime entertainment yes. and i yeah. think it is a thing to take seriously and to think about for sure i feel terrible for sure for people whose families
1: get all swept up in the true crime crap you know it's yes. like if a family member get murdered and then all of a sudden it's like millions upon millions of people giving their take yes. and Yeah, that's horrifying.
0: Horrifying. But I will say I read that interview with Brenda Lafferty's sister and it was less about her horror at her sister's murder being exploited for entertainment. And it was more an apologist's view on Mormonism. Mm -hmm. Right. It it was was like, like no, no, Brenda loved the church.
1: She loved loved the the temple. temple. Yeah.
0: Uh, You know, that's a whole other thing. But this, this first statement he makes about how um, no practicing Mormons were hired to consult on the show. I find that has some uh, fallacious thinking at its root, mm-hmm. which is that more at practicing Mormons are are the only ones we can trust to sort of see Mormonism clearly mm-hmm. because they haven't sort of turned against it. And I would argue. <laughs> That actually being a Mormon who has left gives you even more uh, authority to speak on Mormon culture because you are allowing yourself to look at it in ways that a practicing Mormon is not allowed to. Yeah. Like is is literally told not to look. Is that an overstatement? Do you disagree?
1: Not at all. And don't you feel like I don't know the idea that they need to have practicing Mormons on the writing staff or in the cast like it doesn't like prove one of the major points that they're making in the show. Mm -hmm. You know the the umbrella that the church casts over a situation can like change mm-hmm. the perspective you know yes. they can shift everything you know
0: yeah they could tell I a mean, totally
1: different story if they wanted to
0: yeah I mean I agree with you to me that's like one of the central themes of the whole series is that these like subtle shifts in perspective make a huge difference in how we understand our own histories yeah and like you know a lot of the stories the historical stories of mormonism portrayed in the show like the martyrdom of joseph smith or emma smith choosing not to move to utah with the rest of the saints or the hans mill um massacre or the mountain meadows massacre Mm -hmm. are all stories mormons know yeah their their stories were taught in our history uh but but we're taught them in a very particular way. Yeah. And there is no room for deviation in how we see those events. And I think it's much more interesting when you have the freedom to look at them from um, all kinds of perspectives and consider lots of possibilities and lots of interpretations. Right. And, like, recognize the nuance and the room for misunderstanding and misinterpretation mm-hmm. yeah
1: because while some of the sort of theories that they let play out on the show in terms of the historical reenactments or whatever they're not necessarily like ironclad truths. yeah they're just theories but like that's okay that's great mm-hmm. that's good that's important mm-hmm. you love to see it
0: yeah like what if you know joseph smith was a fraud Mm-hmm. How does that change this very, like, well-known Mormon story?
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: it changes it pretty dramatically. Yeah. And whether or not he was a fraud, um, these folks in the 1980s who are murdering their sister-in-law mm-hmm. are frauds. Yes. And they're using his words and his um, ethos to commit these frauds and these murders. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is just what's happening.
1: Right. Maybe the way that they portrayed Joseph Smith um, when he was uh, talking to Emma about polygamy, you know, and how Mm she needs to fall in line and come along. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's not exactly accurate, but that is what the Lafferty brothers took Mm -hmm. from his teachings. And that Mm -hmm. is what they did to their wives. Yep. You know. Yep. And also, that's probably what Joseph Smith did too. tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, all in all, a great series. I think our podcast is kind of all about debunking this idea that only practicing Mormons can can tell Mormon stories. Mm-hmm. Um. And, uh, yeah. So each episode, we're going to look at Mormons in pop culture and think about it through the lens of our experiences and interpretations. And it's going to be awesome because our experiences are valid.
1: They sure are.
0: They sure are.
1: And I feel like we
0: have an interesting perspective
1: with me having left the church when I was really young Mm -hmm. and you being my older sister and you uh, staying in much longer, much longer, Mm -hmm. but now we're both out.
0: Now we're both out and we can talk about it. Yep. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. miracle. Yeah. Oh
1: my gosh. Is that okay? Is that okay? (laughs) It is. It's all right. Uh, I love it. Thanks so much for listening. Yeah. Dear listeners, come back. Please, please bless this podcast. (laughs) Please bless this podcast. In the name of Jesus
0: Christ. (laughs) Well enunciated. Thank Amen. You.